Hello and welcome to another episode of Tactical Edge. I'm Siobhan Cleveland, 4th Air Force Public Affairs. In this special edition of Tactical Edge, 4th Air Force staff members share their personal accounts of where they were on 9-11. So uh, for me, actually 20 years ago, I had just joined that year in 2000, January of 2001. So uh, September timeframe, I was in the um, second part of my technical training at Kiesel Air Force Base, Mississippi. As a matter of fact, we were in class uh, when we uh, got the news. Uh, they told us all to come to the uh, break room uh, where they had televisions for you know for us during the during breaks or during lunch. And uh, sure enough, it was on on the news by then, and uh, all we're sitting there watching is, is planes uh, crashing into buildings. Um, so uh, a lot of us didn't really know what to say. Uh, I mean, we're all, majority of us are brand new, non-prior service uh, teenagers or in early 20s. And um, just everybody was in shock. I, I think that was the uh, overwhelming feeling in the room from even from our instructors and, you know, obviously folks that have been here much longer than I had at that point. Uh, it was just shock. Uh, don't expect to see the somberness, I guess, right? Uh, and definitely don't get to expect to see loss of life. Uh, someone just attacked our country, right? The enemy is, a, is attacking us and just showed how important it is of what we do and being there for, of all things, you know, learning how to do the job. All of us there, you know, all the students there at, at Keesler. Because um, I knew after that, a, a lot of us did, and, and our instructors de heavily emphasized that when we were, as we were getting to wrap up our, our training, uh, how, how much it would, how important it would be to um, learn our jobs and learn them well, right? Because that's, that's what we're here to do, is to do our jobs, uh, do it safely, and, um, you know, defend our country, defend our rights. You know, you, you, you obviously are here for a reason, right? You volunteered to be here. It's not like anybody forced you. Um, all of us that wear the uniform, we, we make that pledge, that commitment to, uh, you know, defend the Constitution. Uh, I know, you know, General Pennington has said that many times, but it's true. That, that's what it comes down to. Uh, we're all tied together by... Um, some core values, right? Uh, basic fundamentals, the cornerstones, the, the cement, right, foundation of, of us and, and what we do, uh, trying to accomplish the mission with the people that we have and diverse group that we have. So uh, for me, it just made me realize that this is something I want to do, um, and, and I want to do it well uh, because I don't want to let my team down or uh, let any, anyone down for that matter. So uh, for me, just huge impact, uh, just showing me that, um, you know, the, the enemy's real. They are out there and they are trying to uh, impede on our way of life. Um, but they got us to deal with and we have a great team.
I was at uh, stationed at Grissom Air Reserve Base in Indiana. I was the communication squadron commander. And on that morning, um, me and my folks were set to go clean out a building that was full of computers that needed to be sent to DRMO. And so I was dressed in jeans and a sweatshirt and the other because it was going to be some dirty work. And the life support folks shared the building with us. And they knew me from my previous job of working in Intel. And so when the small airplane hit the towers or it was reported, they came and said, hey, a small aircraft, you know, hit the towers in New York. I was like, well, yeah, okay. So I went into their office to, to watch the TV. And as I came in, I saw the second large plane hit the tower, hit the second tower. And with that, I remember it was just you know, what a shock to see that and see the explosion. And I remember turning to them and saying, I'm going to the crisis action team, to the CAT. And they're kind of always like, I said, you know, keep everybody here, uh, everybody inside. I'll call, let you know what we're doing. And I was like, they were like, well, how do you know there's a CAT? I said, oh, there is one. And uh, when I got down to the other building, it had actually already been called. And the room was packed full. And... Um, because they, the command post folks knew me and I got you know, added into the room. And so we went through with what we knew at the time, and which wasn't a whole lot. You know, most of it we were all getting from, from TV. And um, I remember the command post came in and said that, hey, we've got a, a small aircraft coming into our area and it was not responding to radio calls. And it was just total silence in the room while we we listened to see what would happen and come in and it ended up being uh, a small airplane that was tied to the Purdue University uh, nearby and they were flying in and they had, had it was a trainee type program and they were had trouble with the radio getting the, the right signal set so it ended up being nothing but with all that going on it was just kind of a oh my gosh you know what's going on it, it really it's like this is for real and what happens. Um, later on that day, um, I ended up being tagged to stay uh, as part of the, uh, the cat that we had stood up for the 24 hours. So I started my, my first shift and I remember at about 10 or 11 o'clock, I was told to go home and pack. You don't know when you'll be go home again. And um, I, uh, I called my parents and said, this is what happened, and hey, meet me at my apartment because I was going to turn over my keys, and my mom was on my checking account, and you know some of all that kind of stuff. So my mom and dad came up, and my brother and his wife, and the two little girls, and uh, it was just it was nerve-wracking, but yet I also felt very prepared that this is what I've trained for, and. Um, so, you know, it got a little emotional with that, but once we got there and I got back and then I ended up doing, you know, multiple jobs and working with whatever we needed, we ended up deploying our aircraft and folks about five days after 9-11. So it became a very busy time, but it was like, this is what we're for. And everybody just jumped right in and we did whatever needed to be done. And it was a, like you say, a scary time because you unknown, but yet, we also felt very proud that, hey, we're ready. We can do this. They've called us. It's now our turn to show what we can do.
I was a U.S. Navy journalist stationed at American Forces Network in Sasebo, Japan on September 11, 2001. I was six months pregnant at the time. I decided to hang out at the station this particular evening and wait for my husband to get off work before heading home off base. I can't remember exactly what I was watching on TV that night, but around 10 p.m., a headline appeared with breaking news and a report that a plane had just flown into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. I stood there watching the smoldering building in disbelief, thinking to myself, what's happening? Was it an accident? Was it on purpose? Headlines developing. I decided to run over and meet my husband at the chief's mess, and running I did. When I arrived, several people were standing around silently watching a large screen TV, and then suddenly, we all see another plane hit the second tower. There was a collective gasp from everyone watching, and I remember one of the chiefs saying, oh my God, we're under attack. Within minutes, we heard an alarm on base, and the threat condition was increased to the highest level. No incoming or outgoing traffic. Everything locked down. Several thoughts went through my mind. Are we next? My family's in California. They've already attacked one of our major cities. Is LA next? What about my baby? Every disastrous thought and scenario entered my mind. But I quickly reminded myself that I am a United States sailor, and this is what we prepare for. Our AFN team quickly moved into action with live hourly radio broadcasts and updates. It would be three days before we were allowed to leave base. Now, 20 years later, I think back to that day, and I look at my daughter, who is a constant reminder of the bravery, the honor, the courage, and commitment of all the men and women who stand up to protect and defend freedom and democracy around the world. A constant thought and a constant commitment to preserving our freedoms. I recall I was actually uh, not in service, so I just had ended uh, not too many years before that uh, my active duty period in the United States Marine Corps, and I had some uh, gap in time, and prior to enlisting in the Air Force Reserve, I had about a year break there, and during that year break happens to be during that 2001 September 11th period, and I recall being at the beach here in Southern California at Refugio State Beach. And upon coming out of the water, as I've been doing most of the week, one of the RVs and one of the gentlemen had their TV and their satellite uh, all purposed up to get TV and stuff. And they came out of the RV and they stated, I think we had a terrorist attack. And so we all kind of stood around the RV and he kind of pushed the TV to the opening of the door and, and then we were kind of watching it unfold uh, during, you know, the, the afternoon as events transpired. And uh, it almost seemed surreal like we were watching what we were watching on television. But it's good to know that the American public and the military and all of the s civilians that support the, the service members, past and present, uh, are remembering this uh, 
20 years afterwards. I was in Washington State at college, so it was early, but I was waking up for, I believe I had an eight o'clock or nine o'clock class. And back then you didn't have this, the smartphones that you do now. So my routine was to turn on the TV and I did. So I turned on the TV and obviously just, it was no matter what channel you were on, it was all over the news. And so I was drawn in by what I was seeing. And it was um, already after both planes had hit the towers. Um, and I sat there for a moment just trying to capture what I was seeing and understand what I was seeing. And um, I ran in immediately and woke up my, my roommate and said, you got to see what's going on. I don't even know what's going on, but you got to see what's going on. Um, so I woke him up, he came out to the living room, and we just sat there in silence and just watched. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the planes had already hit the towers. Um, so we watched uh, and listened to the reporters who were in, um, f you know, panic, and, and people were in panic mode, and, um, you know, then the towers collapsed. You know, one by one the towers collapsed. And just seeing what we saw on television and the responses and, um, you know, the, what people had to go through and what, you know, they jumping from the buildings because they had no other choice. And just we, I couldn't even talk to my roommate because we didn't even know um, what to say to each other. We were both in um, the Air Force ROTC program at Central Washington University at the time, so it meant a lot to us because we know that um, we knew that uh, we were going to um, serve our great nation. Um, at this time and that morning, we didn't know what was going on until you know really later in the evening, and then the airplane hit the the Pentagon, um, and then you know President Bush came on and. And gave his address in the, the, the evening, so we knew that um, we were attacked. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot for everybody in the country to really um, take in, soak in at that, that, that time. I was 19 years old, one year out of high school, in college, getting ready to go to class, watching the news, literally in my bed eating cereal because, you know, as college students, you don't have a whole lot of furniture. You have a bed, pretty much, I, and a TV in your own room. And I thought I was watching a movie, and I, was, I didn't think of anything of it because it was the second one that came in, the second uh, airplane that came in hit, hit the tower when I was watching it. And I was like, oh, it's an action movie. That's literally what I thought. Got my stuff, packed up my bag, drove to class, and I, I go there, and the whole school was closed, and there was a giant sign school closed indefinitely um, and I'm like what is going on and so I turned back went back home thinking like yeah I had no school today that's cool it's kind of weird though turned on the news again I flipped through channels and I still saw the news and then I realized that's when it's actually real and I'm like whoa they actually hit us I knew I was going to join the military one way shape or form or another I was just delaying the process um, it was kind of inherent in my heritage and my family to join the military anyways so I finally did it, but this gave me a sense of like, okay, I gotta maybe want to join even more so faster than expected. Uh, but I still held off trying to go to school. But yes, it made me want to actually jump on board to actually joining because I was still unsure, but I knew I was going to, but I was still unsure, should I do this, should I not? But that made me more realize I am going to join eventually. Um, 
and it did affect me because I had some friends that were in the military as well during that time and they were active. So I didn't know what state they were in or if they got deployed or generated and things of that nature. People who actually was there or witnessed it live, not just hearing it, actually being there at that moment in time and actually recalling it and remembering it, either watching it on TV or actually being in that location. I would assume a sense of pride and sadness at the same time, uh, if they're in the military now, these airmen that, that experience that process and know that feeling that, hey, it is possible to get a homebound attack. Um, that feeling should give either sense of pride to how we reacted to it and how we, you know, assembled ourselves and made our country one more so often. I would think it would give us a sense of pride, but at the same time, a sense of, a sense of sadness as well. That's a that an act like that can even go into people's thought process. But for the ones that don't know it, hopefully they can just remember, just like every other history, that you know, remember these things and don't think that it can't happen. remember that day vividly um, surprisingly because it's like a lot of dates we don't we don't necessarily remember like what we were doing at that time um, but personally for myself uh, at that time I was a full-time college student living in California I was attending um, Cal State Northridge and I you know I woke up that morning I got dressed I drove to go to school and by the time I made it to school I realized all my classes were canceled and I really didn't know, you know, what was going on or why all of a sudden, you know, classes were canceled. But at the time, um, I think I was walking through uh, one of the buildings or something. And on the TV screens, they were displaying, you know, what happened. And, you know, I remember looking at the, the TV, seeing these planes crashing into these buildings. And it was just shocking. So I was uh, serving, uh, you know, I'm prior active duty, but I, w I was a reservist at the time. I wasn't on status on that particular day. I was actually on my way to a criminal justice class as I was working on my criminal justice degree, attending a community college. And I remember getting to class and uh, my professor who was a Navy vet was in the class and he was in tears. And I looked at Mr. Ross, I'm like, wow, something must not be right. And he had the news on in the classroom. And uh, he was just devastated. So a couple of us, uh, about three of us in the class, and Mr. Ross uh, looked at us and said, there's no way we can hold uh, class at this time. Look what's going on. So we, we focused on the news, and uh, we kind of shook our heads trying to figure out what was going on, quite frankly, at that time. And then shortly after, I get a recall uh, you know, phone call from my reserve unit. And that's when the conversations uh, started about what was going on and, hey, just need you to be ready. We're not sure what's, what's going to happen here. So to say it changed my life and that of my families is, uh, would be an understatement. I think it changed the lives of many of us. So um, life has never been the same since then when it comes to, uh, from a personal experience, from a military service perspective. Um, a lot to be said of unfortunate circumstances, but the pride and camaraderie across the nation, um, just, just mind-blowing. Uh, 
a great experience again under some very unfortunate circumstances and the passion to serve has not changed i've always been passionate to serve but that definitely brought it up to to a whole different level i always share that i bleed blue and i will tell you that shortly after that that uh situation i did go i did head out to new york and stood at ground zero and uh you know, I get choked up even talking about it because it was a definitely a, a feeling that uh, uh, you have to be there. You had to have been there, and I mean, it, it's uh, devastating, hurtful, and uh, a whole lot of emotions that that come with it. I was stationed at Travis Air Force Base, California. I'd been in the squadron for several years at that point. And I distinctly remember uh, that morning, unusually, I wasn't in very early, which normally I'm, I'm in quite early, usually by six. That particular day I wasn't, and as I got to the gate, the traffic was, was backed up, which was very unusual back then. For folks that weren't around back then, at that time you just registered your vehicle and got a little window sticker. Some of us have been around pre-9-11, remember those days, and they just looked at the window sticker on the vehicle and waved you in if I was an officer and got saluted. Well, this particular day it was all backed up. I had no idea why. And as I approached the gate, I realized I did not have my ID with me. I had left it in my office, which again, that was unusual. But normally, you didn't need it to get in because they just looked at the window sticker. Well, that particular day, I got stopped uh, at the gate, had no idea why. And I said, hey, is there an exercise going on? What's happening today? And sir, need to see your ID. I said, well, I left it in my office. And the Following their instructions, security forces personnel said, sir, well, I can't let you on base. I said, please let me on. I've been here for years. Eventually he let me on, but the last thing he said to me, he goes, it's probably the last time you're gonna get on base without an ID in a while. Well, as I, as I drove to the building, they had uh, corned off uh, the building, you know, roped it off for standoff distance. And I thought, well, this is unusual because I didn't remember anything about an exercise. So I parked away from the building. They had a single point entry set up already. And uh, I got, what's going on? Hey, sir, you know, the Pentagon's under attack. And it just didn't really resonate with me. I just thought, again, in my mind, I was just thinking this was an exercise. The idea that someone was actually able to physically attack the Pentagon just really didn't register with me. A fortunate person at the door knew me, let me in. Of course, then I had my ID card, and then there were people gathering around the television set. Because in California, you know, you know, this was already probably 7.30 in the morning, right? So it was already 10.30 East Coast time. A lot of things had already happened that morning. So... Still at first, it really didn't hit me. I was into my routine and my day. Uh, and then as I saw things unfold, and I, and I think maybe based on the timing, maybe the first tower had already come down. Uh, but again, it didn't resonate with me really what was happening. Uh, then when we saw the second tower come down, I think I was in time to do that. I might not have the times exactly right. But when I physically saw it come down, that's really when it hit me that, hey, our world has changed. Something is different now. And this is a very, very serious event that took place. I was uh, on active duty at stationed at Travis Air Force Base. I was with the six, uh, 615th AMOG and the uh, 815th AMS. And I was on the I-80, just passing through Davis, California, when my wife called me said, hey, are you listening to the radio? And I said, yes. She said, are you listening to the news? And I said, no. She said, turn on the news. So I turned on the radio, and I'm listening, and then 
all of a sudden we're getting the, the reports. So I get into work and the commander shows up and calls the squadron together and says, ladies and gentlemen, we're at war. And within days, we had orders to deploy and I was basically deployed for the next three to four years for that and the follow-on uh, deployments that uh, came about because of that. But yeah, never forget uh, on, on I-80, headed west, Travis Air Force Base, when I found out. I remember it very clearly. I was assigned to McConnell Air Force Base. I was a KC-135 instructor pilot at the time, and I happened to be on the flying schedule that day. We were out on the flight line, pre-flighting our jet, going through all of the procedures. And part of that is to ask for an air traffic control clearance. So as normal, we just kept asking for our air traffic control clearance, and we couldn't get it. And we would ask again, and we couldn't get it. And it was very unusual for us to run into such a roadblock but of course, at the time, we had no contact with anybody on the outside because we're just in our jet and you know nobody had cell phones at the time and so forth. So anyway, we just keep asking and asking and asking and getting nowhere with the air traffic control clearance. And then finally, the air traffic controller says, uh, Kansas City Center has canceled all clearances, no further words, stop asking, or words to that effect. So we knew something uh, serious had happened, but we had no idea what. The mission was canceled because we could not get an air traffic control clearance and none was going to come up. We went back to the squadron, tuned in, and then started watching the news and getting the picture of what was happening in New York and in D.C. We pretty much instantaneously knew that day that something big was happening and that we were going to be busy and potential military operations would follow. At the time, we didn't know what. We started leaning as far forward as we could. Uh, before long, we had jets on alert. We were flying missions in support of AWACS. But yes, I do remember it clearly, um, that air traffic control and going back into the squadron and everybody in the squadron huddled around the few cable TVs we had and realizing, wow, something big and dramatic has happened and in all probability, we're going to war. Sure enough, Soon enough, we were mobilizing crews and sending them out the door, and uh, that was in 2001. In 2002, I took my first uh, TDY to you know, undisclosed location in the Middle East, uh, but by 2002, we were uh, into it, uh, flying missions in Southwest Asia, and then, of course, another mobilization followed in 2003 uh, during Iraqi freedom. So yes, I clearly remember it, and uh, start of a long, involvement with our tanker and airlift operations in the Middle East. I uh, was getting ready to go on a cross country to Hawaii from Grissom Air Reserve Base. Uh, we were actually sitting at the whole short line waiting for takeoff. We'd already requested our clearance from the tower um, in very long time before they actually called us and told us that, uh, hey, we're standby, your clearance is being worked. Uh, like five, ten minutes, we ended up calling them back, hey, what's going on? And uh, they basically said that uh, all clearances were canceled for that day. So 
didn't understand what the problem was, thought it may have been something that we did wrong. We taxied back, uh, went into the um, base operations area, and that was I first thing I saw when I walked through the building. I, I can't remember the woman's name at the desk at base ops. We were like, hey, what, what happened? What's going on? And, and literally watched the, the second airplane fly into the, the, uh, the second building. So at that point in time, we, we knew we weren't going anywhere. Um, and I just remember the woman at the desk, and I wish I could remember her name, uh, asking me, you know, well, who do you think did this? And I think at the time I even knew what it was, but I just remember how devastating it was just to watch that. You know, we were we were getting ready to go into the air ourselves, so um, actually got put into uh, alert right after that, and uh, ended up flying that night. And it was the strangest thing. We we took off. We talked to the Grissom Control Facility, the tower there. Uh, they sent us to Chicago Center. Chicago Center asked us where we were going, who we were fueling. We told them, and they said, okay, uh, you're cleared the whole United States. Call us when you are about 50 miles from Grissom. So uh, we didn't talk to anybody else but the receiver that night and uh, flew from Grissom. Uh, we actually flew out over uh, out past Oklahoma City, probably closer to like Phoenix, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, topped off... Uh, an airplane that night and then flew back in 50 miles uh, south of Grissom. We called Chicago Center and they cleared us in and uh, to the tower and that was it. It was the oddest, strangest, uh, worst feeling I think I've ever had uh, for an entire day. I was actually due to deploy that day. And I was stationed in uh, Kadena Air Base, Okinawa, in the 67 Fighter Squadron. So we were going to Iceland for four months. And we just so happened to have had a typhoon warning early in the morning for later in the afternoon. So we had to put all our bags away. Um, I was a classified courier, so I had to put all of that stuff back. And everybody just rushed the commissary, rushed the BX, the classics, that kind of thing, so we could wait for the storm to blow over. So we were all stuck in the dorms. And I remember being in the day room, we were uh, playing dominoes, there was a movie on, there was music playing, and then I can remember one of the, uh, the med tech from the first floor ran in the room, and she was from the East Coast, so I guess she had gotten a phone call, and then you know, we turned the movie off, and she started watching the TV. The mood became extremely somber, and this is before we knew anything was going on. This is, we're watching you know, kind of footage of the first plane hitting, so I remember we decided to relocate so that other people could watch the TV in the day room because it was a shared space. And I remember going upstairs to my room to go use the restroom really quick. And the light was off my room, but I could see the answer machine blinking. And I had like 17 messages. So I start going through them. And it was from family members. And I was stationed in Okinawa, mind you, so that's a, a nice little long-distance bill. And I, you know, I was wondering why all these people were calling. So I started calling folks back. And I turned on my TV and started watching the footage. And while I'm watching the footage, you know, the live footage, the next plane hits. So the realization that, you know, this wasn't an accident, um, like we were speculating that it kind of was, that, you know, we were under attack. And so, and going back downstairs, I would say within the span of maybe 45 minutes to an hour, the entire mood in that building had changed to, you know, just a bunch of young airmen hanging out, having a good time, to everybody being really serious. You had you know, airmen from the East Coast who couldn't get a hold of their people back home. So they were just, you know, kind of frantic. And the rest of us were just, you know, confused and angry. 
it was a it was a real weird mix of emotions so in my uh, career it hadn't been in years since our country had actually been attacked I mean not in my lifetime had we been attacked on our own soil so um, it was just a really weird mix of emotions and that really made my career and my position uh, and the mission real to me for the first time I was in South Korea. Um, I was stationed at Kadena Air Base in the 353rd SOG, the Special Operations Group. I was a Special Operations C-130 pilot. And there was actually a typhoon coming at Okinawa. So we had done what they call a typhoon evac, where we had flown the airplanes up to South Korea to avoid the typhoon that was coming. And we were at Kunsan Air Base. And uh, for me, I mean, I'll never forget I was out to dinner with some crew members and we were staying off base and um, the security forces from Kunsan Air Base came in and they told everybody to clear out. And it, there's a section outside of Kunsan that has a lot of restaurants and establishments for people to go to. And I'll never forget, we were at the top of the hill, we walked out, we looked down and we could just see thousands of people walking back. And the security forces didn't tell us what was going on. So it was very, um, very disturbing. Like uh, it was very, um, we thought that something serious was taking place, just didn't know what it was yet. And when we got to our off-base hotel, um, the gal working at the front desk said, uh, you know, Captain Ritchie, there's a call here from uh, the command post. So I answered the phone and the command post controller said, um, we need to recall your crew you have to come on base. Lodging arrangements have not been yet made. Just get on base because, and what they said was, the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and the Capitol had been attacked. Now we all know that the Capitol hadn't been attacked, but in the fog and friction of war, um, this command post controller mentioned that. And so uh, it was a very heart-sinking moment, uh, just, the ultimate heart sinking, boy, what's gonna happen? And so uh, we went to Kunsan Air Base that night. Um, we actually ended up sleeping on the floor of a condemned gymnasium building. And then um, the next day, uh, we found out that our crew had been tasked to fly to Mongolia to repatriate a team of Army Reserve medical doctors that were administering humanitarian health care for their annual tour in Mongolia. And we had to go fly to get them to bring them back to a U.S. base. Many people don't remember, but shortly prior to the September 11th attacks was the P3 incident um, off of Hainan Island in China. And that whole um, tension that had arose from that incident was still very palpable. And uh, as a part of our uh, objective to go to Mongolia to bring back these army reservists who are administering humanitarian healthcare, we had been given overflight of China to get into Mongolia. And uh, two Chinese air traffic controllers, one of them specifically said, God bless the USA. And the other one said, we're very sorry for America today. And that just flying over China within 
semi-proximal um, you know, timeline to the EP3 incident and having the Chinese air traffic controllers pass along those very heartfelt sentiments was just very um, reinforcing of the gravity of the moment that we were embarked in that time. And uh, the good news is, is we landed on a dirt strip in Mongolia, got the, the healthcare providers and brought them back to um, South Korea. It, it's, it's been a challenging recent weeks and months with regards to the Afghanistan um, situation that we've been dealing with as a nation. And uh, myself, many of my friends and, and fellow Americans have spent a lot of time of their life in Afghanistan. And it's been a very challenging time. You know, it, after September 11th, it seemed like the, the cause was very, you know, just we felt like we were going after the people that perpetrated the attacks and here we go and we're gonna do it. And I just want to encourage um, my, my fellow veterans that have served in Afghanistan to, to really um, take the time to be aware of the feelings that are coming along with this 20th anniversary and in light of our recent evacuation. And I hope that nobody out there hesitates to reach out to a friend, a wingman, counselor, whatever it might be, to help you sort through uh, any emotions that might be um, troubling during this time, because um, it's going to bring back a lot of memories, and, um, and I, I just, I care deeply for everybody who has uh, put their life on the line and, and put their best foot forward to try to defend our nation and our values. We need to always remember we need to remember the event, and we need to remember who we are as, as a nation, as Americans, uh, that we are in this together. For those of us in uniform that serve, we swore to defend uh, the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and we'll continue to do that. We need to uh, remember uh, those uh, victims of the event, uh, both the civilians that were there from around the world, many different countries uh, had victims there, and also our first responders that charged into the face of danger uh, first responders from all different areas, whether they were uh, firefighters, uh, peace officers, police officers, EMT, or other people who just uh, selflessly uh, volunteered to act, uh, much like the uh, personnel on flights uh, that via phone and other areas were figuring out something wrong was going on. And uh, we need to remember their actions as well and, uh, and honor them and, and the sacrifices they made. I appreciate the team uh, taking the time to uh, put this together, just reflect for a few moments how it's uh, steered our nation, how uh, as Americans we all need to remember that uh, we are all in this together. And we might have differences, uh, that's okay. Uh, the beautiful part about America is we talk about our differences, we work them out, and, and we realize that uh, still one of the greatest symbols of hope and freedom in the world is the American flag. And uh, we will proudly wear that on our uniform, keep on the fin flash of our aircraft, and uh, do our best to uh, honor those that have gone before us and building a, a generation uh, of people behind us to continue this great country called America.